We've seen a lot of fire this summer. I don't know, perhaps it's due to the advent of social media and smartphones with cameras, but flames seem to have been all over television coverage and social media locally, nationally and internationally. It's been a terrible summer of loss and destruction. But what comes next? Once the camera crews are gone and the hashtags disappear, how do those who are left pick up the pieces and rebuild? How do they start again? In this episode, we travel to a part of Australia facing a massive uphill battle to recover from the fires. An important part of the world from a wool production perspective, but one that's made a lot harder by the sheer fact that it's surrounded by sea. Hello, welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming, and this episode is dedicated to South Australia's Kangaroo Island. 180 kilometres from east to west, the sheer size of Kangaroo Island, Australia's third largest after Tasmania and Melville Island, takes many by surprise. But fires in national parks in late December became roaring infernos in early January. Two people sadly lost their lives as over 200,000 hectares, 86 houses, over 53,000 sheep and thousands of kilometres of fencing were destroyed. And these fires broke a lot of long-held beliefs about fire behaviour and intensity. AWI's Wool Grower Services Project Officer Sam Arnfield and myself headed over to the island a month after those disastrous fires to see just what AWI could do to help to rebuild this proud wool-growing region. We caught up with an exhausted Rick Morris, Chairman of Ag KI, and simply asked how everyone was handling the reality. Everyone's different, so there'll be some of our producers within our sector who are who take chaos and challenge pretty well, who would, who would be well and truly down the track of having done their confinement pens, perhaps, and ordered a heap of fencing material and, you know, got in the office a bit and uh, done some planning and sorted their insurance right through to the other end of the spectrum where some people may still be working out what the hell just happened and possibly struggling a bit. So those people may not have had a chance to, to make plans and, and get in the office and sort things out. But... Um, so everywhere, everyone in between, I guess, everyone's going to be different in the way they react to this storm. No other way to put it, but the sound of it. So, well, uh, a good, well, it was put to me as a effing storm, so... Let's <laughs> it down a bit. <laughs> the clean-up has been well and truly um, underway for a number of weeks since the fires that came through in early January. There's still a lot to do just on that front alone. Yes, yeah. The Army have been brilliant and Blazade are doing an amazing job cleaning up old fence lines and they've hit a bit of a red tape wall with dealing with asbestos which is holding some clean up up so that's been a bit disappointing um, I know some people that have lost their infrastructure just want to you know want the ruins gone and in a lot of cases that hasn't happened so that would be particularly hard for those people but um, yeah the clean up is underway and and uh, but yeah would love to see it happen very, very quickly. So the job of uh, fencing is just enormous. Uh, wherever you go on the island, there's fences rolled up or down or burnt. <coughs> Being an island really makes this quite a unique issue in that getting materials on, getting fodder on, getting sheep or cattle off makes it just that much harder. That's right. We can say that we're the same as every other area that 
that's been burnt or flooded or has faced disaster in the past, but we're not really. There's that extra layer of logistical problems with the stretch of water. So, if, for example, just getting hay onto the island has been very difficult for um, Livestock SA to, to coordinate. You know, there's amazing amount of donations sitting at Cape Jervis, and we really appreciate that. But then getting it to the island has proved to be a bit of a headache. It's classified as a dangerous good, and there's a, only one boat that will take that per day. So we'd love to see it come to the island quickly so it can be distributed more quickly. I think you said Livestock SA have done the figures on how much fodder is required, given that we're only in February and the break of the season generally doesn't happen here till May, I understand. So the amount of fodder required is very significant. Yes, I can talk from my personal feed budget figures. Having gone from needing 400 tonne of hay and grain, which is normal for us, given that we do have this dry spell every year, to 800 tonne of hay and grain. For me, I wanted to keep my breeding ewes here and keep control of their energy inputs, especially during joining and pre-lambing. There's a lot of people in the same boat as I am. So they talked about uh, the total requirement of 30 to 40,000 tonne of hay and I think there's been 2,000 donated, which is amazing. But uh, we really, really don't know where it's going to come from, but we're going to have to come up with something ongoing to keep the not only the energy up to these confined livestock, but also the forage or the, what's the, what's the word? the uh, Roughage. Roughage. Thank you. I think you told me that earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there's a massive deficit. So for, for those listening that possibly have fodder that they can donate then it's uh, Livestock SA is probably the best port of call for that. Correct. Andrew Curtis is coordinating all that and they're doing as good a job as they can. Now speaking of coordinating I mean um, a lot of people on the island pointed us towards you Rick unfortunately for you but um, you've been at the heart of this Uh, the recovery hasn't really even started yet. How are you holding up yourself? I mean uh, the fire has affected your property as well. Yeah I think I self-assess quite often and um, I think I'm going okay mental health wise I'm eating and sleeping and I think I'm making reasonable decisions but you know, I guess I had a flat day recently but hopefully there's not a string of flat days and I guess there might be a crash eventually but seem to be going along okay I'm happy to do as much as I can in the media because it's not all about wildlife and tourism agriculture on the island is the biggest industry and always has been and we turn over $150 million a year annually. We have 300 primary producers on the island, and I'm very keen to show some leadership and uh, represent them as best we can. The spotlight won't be on the island forever, so it's a chance for us to get into the media wherever we can and push our barrow, and uh, hopefully lots of positives will come of that. One of the um, great positives has been the enormous spirit amongst the people on this island, but also you're saying how you're quite unique in that you've got a very young a young demographic of farmers on this island, and you've, I suppose like a lot of the sheep in the sheep industry, there'd been a, a real upswing in recent years. Yes, very exciting being a sheep farmer. Everyone wants to be a sheep farmer at the moment, particularly on Kangaroo Island. And we have a lot of people who have been away and got their degrees and diplomas and trades and done their travel and bringing back worldly knowledge 
they go away and then they come back to have their families because it's such a great place to bring up kids. So we do have a young cohort of farmers which is very exciting and they're hungry for information and um, this has come at a time unfortunately where we're really starting to kick some goals. The local agricultural industry was really starting to pour some money back into farms, the in infrastructure and push, push our systems pretty hard and get some good rewards and lots of employment. So that's taken a fair kick in the pants but also for those that are have got a, access to a bit of cash flow or are well insured, have got a bit of backing, hopefully that's all of our members, maybe not everyone. Now you should see what's coming onto the island in terms of material and that will hopefully create an economic stimulus. There'll be jobs and there'll be rebuilding of farms and let's hope we all can charge ahead when everyone's ready and help each other. So Rick, I think there was 80 something houses lost on the island, possibly a lot more wool sheds because I dare say people saved their house well before the wool shed. So there's sheds, fences, yards to put up. Looking on the flip side of this, is that an opportunity in time for people to look at their farms and do a whole farm plan again and say, well, maybe I, I'd always wanted that gate in that corner and the yeah. fences should be along the, that ridge line or that gully or what have you. Yeah. Once the clean-up is done and once there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, is there an opportunity to redesign a lot of places? Yeah, exactly. And this was all soldier settlement country and the house was plonked in one corner of the farm, usually where the truck got bogged. So it's not ideal in a lot of situations where the house and yards are. The uh, paddocks were square, went in over creek lines and they just put in um, according to that's the way they did it then. So there is an opportunity for sure to look at setting up properties a little bit better and make management a bit easier for sure. And talking about shearing sheds, we do appreciate AWI's initiative to to bring the uh, pop-up or portable shearing shed to the island because there have, have been a lot of shearing sheds that have been burnt and I cannot imagine losing infrastructure like yards and sheds and a house. But that will be one thing that will really help people who have lost their sheds and yards will be uh, at least they can then manage their stock and get the wool off and get some cash flow happening so that will be very well received that's the least we can do i think uh, from an awi point of view and uh, on march the 12th there's uh, a techno day being planned an ag, ag technical day which um, sounds like it'll be a a good rallying point for agriculture on ki that's right Yes, it will be a chance to get off the farm. That was uh, booked into the system. NRM have done a lot of work towards that and AGKI supporting it. But hopefully that's a chance where people can get off the farm for a day and catch up, as will the KI races coming up. It'll be a chance to socialise and a chance for mainland people to support the island. Now that's important to, I guess, get off the farm every now and then and uh, keep yourself mentally well. Right, Rick, well, thank you very much for... Um having us on the island and i'm sorry it's in such uh dire circumstances surely better days ahead but from myself and sam arnfield who have been here for a couple of days thank you very much for having us and we uh, look forward to playing a part in the rebuilding of this this great part of the world i guess um, i call it swim in your own lane so try and not worry about what everyone else is doing of course keep an eye on your good friends and family and neighbors but um i think if you were to get too caught up in who's doing what, how far they are down the track of recovery and what they may have access to, rah, 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 I think you could, it would put an extra layer of pressure on, on some people. So 
we just encourage everyone to try and get in the office if they have one and make some plans and and really stick to them yeah perhaps turn social media off for a few months and <laughs> and um, good luck with the recovery today i have father of six winemaker elders kingscote branch manager wool broker have I missed anything, Marty? No, you're pretty much all right there, yeah. yeah. yeah well, <laughs> well, welcome to the yarn. Marty's been very generous with uh, his time for Marius and I over the last few days. We've uh, driven high and low across Kangaroo Island, meeting farmers, meeting brokers, meeting all sorts of people who have been impacted by December, January's bushfires. Marty, it's a pretty interesting time on the island at the moment. Yeah, it's, um, everyone's going on adrenaline still at the moment. The anxiety levels have probably dropped a little bit with the, with the rain we had on Friday, um, and the fires are mostly out now so people are focusing on rebuilding and what that future looks like so it's a very different um, phase that we're probably moving into from that first phase in the first couple of weeks where it was a lot of emergency situations now people are ready to look at rebuilding focusing on on the future so it's uh, going to be pretty positive and to that future we see a lot of cute cuddly koalas we still see beautiful sandy beaches kangaroo island is in essence has always been a farming community and, and always will be can you paint us a little bit of a picture about the history of of wool on the island and what that makes up for the island. Yeah, I think you know wool and and sheep have been always an integral part of Kangaroo Island from when they've even cleared further out west with the soldier settlers blocks and expanded further into the higher rainfall country. So you've had a mix of your prime lambs and down through to your merino country further in the drier areas. But wool has always been a great commodity in the fact that it's relatively cheap to sort of send a two and a half thousand dollar bale or for you know, 15 to $20 freight. So compared to a lot of other commodities like grain or livestock or timbers or anything like that, wool is a very easy to freight sort of commodity from the island. So it's always been attractive in that way. Yeah. And I guess the big challenge for a lot of primary producers or anyone doing business on the island is the nine kilometre stretch of water. Yeah, between. Yep. absolutely. And I think the, the resilience of the island community, I mean, we've had a lot of adversity thrown at us. The, that, nine, that stretch of water is a, is a big one. But we've had OJD in the 90s, you know, we've gone through low merino wool prices and the collapse of the floor price and, and the community's managed to rally around and, and the blokes have found a way to get through. They've had to diversify their businesses a bit, they've had to be a bit creative um, but prepared to work and the community spirit and they've really got through it. So I really expect to see the, the rebuild from this to be quite spectacular, to be honest, once everyone's on board. We can really sense that element of, of buoyancy within the wool growing community especially there seems to be a considerable number of young farmers uh, yeah. coming online in, in the last little while and they seem to be pushing the boundaries yeah and, and kangaroo island's always had that spirit of of adventure being able to offer the younger farmer to be able to come onto the island to buy land you know compared to the mainland the, the land to get in has been relatively cheap compared to what they bought so yep. we've always attracted that newer younger demographic of farmer and they're a bit you know more innovative more um open to change so we always have that edge of excitement on, on Kangaroo Island. I'm always one of the first areas to start forward selling with wool. Um, so they've done a lot of things, you know, a lot of firsts have been done over here, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, the grower groups and, and organisations like AgKI seem to be really pushing those those guys harder and encouraging more young people to come back onto the farm after school and, and high school and, and university and things like that. Yeah, and that, that those AgKI groups and, and um, you know, their members are... are Leading the, leading the way, leading the charge. A lot of the guys on the committee and girls on the committee are those are, are real younger, forethinking, university educated, coming back, 
onto the farm with degrees, but real smart, forward-thinking people. And they're having a lot of influence through the whole community. And they're probably also helping some of the more established farmers rethink some of their ways. Um, And everyone's learning off each other. Yeah, Seems to be a good time to be in the industry down here. Now, we were very fortunate to to get around and and meet some of your clients uh, in the last few days. And and some of the the tales of of camaraderie and and mates looking out for other mates have, have been incredible is do you think that's uh going to be continuing through the next little while yeah i think the, the as i said before the the strength of this community is that they you know a lot of those things aren't orchestrated they just happen you know people just rock up and they just happen they know what needs to be done and they get together someone sees an opportunity i think we need to get together they'll do it it's instinctive i suppose yeah. and that when they're running on instinct like that and that's just naturally what they do so it is a it is a very close-knit community the isolation probably builds that can be a suffocating place to live at times because we are very close together and we do spend a lot of time together um, in only a small community and there's benefits of that always but then sometimes there's some you know times where you just need to get a break too yeah. but I think that you know the closeness that they've brought up with and, and, the, and the adversity they've probably gone through together has bred that resilience in them and um, yes yeah, as I said the some people are probably a different level at the moment some guys are put 30 kilometres of fencing up already. Yeah. Other guys are just starting to think about fence posts. But they're all thinking about the future. No one's coming in saying, look, I'm going to put the farm on the market. I've had enough. Yeah. But they're all thinking about recovery. They're all thinking about what they're going to do going forward, which is really good. Really encouraging to hear. And we, we can see throughout the community already that there's a shift. I think the Pandana Football Club had their earliest ever pre-season football training the other yeah. night. Is that right? Yeah, I think they had training and was bringing your own six-pack because the bar wasn't open. But they <laughs> still managed to have a training and... Uh, and a six-pack, and uh, I don't know whether any of the Army boys might have joined in with them, but they might have had a few extras that they might have been able to make up the numbers for circle work or something like that. It looked like a few big full forwards down at the, uh, the Army base down there. Yeah, so, yeah they'd be tough to tackle. Yeah, that's right. And the, the KR races are coming up. Pretty keen to attract a, a few more people onto the island as well through that. And, yeah, I think that's going to be a great circuit breaker for the community. I think there'll just be good timing for everyone to just hopefully by that stage be able to have a day out, forget about the other stuff that's been going on a bit and just have a good community day. It'll probably, you know, it'll be a big week, but from sounds of things that are happening, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of visitors coming, which will be magnificent for the economy, great for the island. I think a lot of people over here are overwhelmed at how brilliant the support's been globally of, yeah. of what our situation. So it's a little bit, you know, for a small place like this to get the, the focus that we're getting is a little bit um, daunting. But, yeah, the races will be, I think the, we could expect upwards of six to 8,000 people there, which would be the biggest wow. ever. Fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Oh, hopefully I'll be able to get down there and uh, dip into my pockets. And oh, we'll have a couple of tips for you, Sam. We'll look after you. <laughs> <laughs> a few donkeys, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time, Marty. Uh, very, very appreciative of everything you've been able to uh, do for us over the last couple of weeks. And no. uh, I'm sure I'll see you when we're back down a couple of weeks or so. Yep, absolutely. No, it's been great for your support to be on the island and, and be at Invisible, and um, I'm sure there's lots of stuff that we'll be doing together over the next 12 to 18 months to help recover for the island. Yep. Thanks, Sam. Absolutely. Cheers, mate. Cheers. AWI's Sam Arnfield there speaking with an upbeat Martin Kay, Elders Wool Broker on Kangaroo Island, and those races are on February 22nd. So for those looking for any information about recovering from fire, containment feeding, assessing water, selecting stock, classing fire-affected clips, wool.com slash bushfire. There is a lot of support available. So to feedback, and thank you for it. For example, Ian Murray from Glent Thompson in Victoria contacted us 
at theyarnatwool.com and asked simply, why isn't the podcast on Spotify? Well, that was a damn good question. And thanks to the IT guys at AWI, we are now on Spotify. So good tip, Ian. Thank you. So thank you for having a yarn with us from me, Marius Cumming. Thanks for your company, and I look forward to it again soon.